0: Jason, for that chair prophecy. Now we had to empty every classroom upstairs with chairs. (laughs) (laughs) So I trust everybody will help us bring the chairs back. Amen.
1: Hi, (laughs) baby. That was good.
0: That was good. Listen, let me give you a quick update before we. Get crazy! Um, I believe we're going to be in the building in a couple of weeks. Yeah. We're at that point. Um, we even we even sent the team there on this Friday, and I want to thank everybody that came out. And we just cleaned and cleaned and cleaned. The building's been empty for ten weeks, and a lot of dust accumulates in ten weeks, especially with all the construction going on and all the repairing. Um, there's a lot of stuff going on at the building and um, we're a couple we're, I, I feel like we're just it looks like uh, strategically we're about a couple of weeks away Amen. and um, I feel like you know we've heard I'm not going to talk much about that but we've heard quite a few messages about this and I feel like we've kind of been away at a boot camp and God's been breaking us down making us uncomfortable and building us back up to send us back in. Amen? Amen? Amen. Prophetically, God showed me this. We've been coming here to the school because the school is where you learn things. The school is where you're taught things. You can't graduate if you didn't go to school. Well, this is heavy. You can't skip school and show up on graduation day. Some of us have tried. You can't go on to the next level and you can't learn the next lesson unless you went to school. Amen? So I, I want to thank those of you that came out to train with us Amen. at the school. Amen. I'm, I'm, I want to tell you today I think ring day is coming. <laughs> See, because God rewards those that diligently seek Him. Amen. Hebrews 11. And, and I think ring day is coming. I think, as a matter of fact, cap and gown day is right around the corner. Yeah. Amen. God is fitting us right now. for, for cap- And I want us to be ready. Listen, I want us to return to the community that God placed us in, took us out of, and is sending us back in. And, and I want us to understand that it's a mission field. Yes. Like a reset. This is a reset. We had to understand that it's a mission field. Do you, if you think I, we were just I haven't been there in a while, and so we were there Friday, and I'm thinking, man, here's our sanctuary in the middle of two houses of prayer.
1: Right.
0: On a block named after a saint. With this Catholic church up, up on the corner. We're in a mission field. And so, as as a matter of fact, you know, I I want us to to understand that everywhere we step, once we leave here, everywhere we step out is a mission field. There's a famous quote that says, you are either a missionary or a mission field. Every one of you. You're either a missionary or a mission field. You're either testifying to somebody about what God is doing in your life or you're here to hear somebody's testimony. I'm fine with having both kinds in the building. Yeah. But I think you need to know who you are. Oh, well, it's quiet today. How <laughs> we get so many people when it's so quiet? I just wanted you to know where you stand. My word for the year, is, you know, for those of you that don't know, we, we choose a word for the year. And so I've, I've been encouraging all of you to this year to make it different. Don't let it be a word about you. Don't let it be a word for you. Let it be a word for somebody else. Let it be a word that makes you valuable to somebody else. So normally we pick words like health and strength and, and this and that. And this year I encourage you to pick words for somebody else that are boldness. And, 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 and so my word is testify. I put that in my heart. Testify. That's your word for this year. That's what I want you to do all year. Amen. Testify. And so, listen, if you've been asking God for a word and he hasn't given you one, maybe he wants you to share mine. Amen. So, today I'm giving out words. You get testify. You get testify. Everybody gets a word today. Your word is testify. Amen. If you didn't pick one yet, too bad. Your word is testified. <laughs> you blew it miss your chance. Your word is testify. Because listen, this quote I was reading, and this quote convicted me this past week. No one, this is about Oswald Smith, he said, no one has the right to hear the gospel twice while there remains someone that hasn't heard it once. That should break our heart. Nobody, you, we're so, we can sit in church every day Not pay attention if we don't want to We can come to this church, we can leave after this church And visit another church, we can go to the third church That we visit, that we're members of We can, we can choose wherever And we can hear it week after week after week We get to hear it We Nobody has the right To hear the gospel twice While there still remains people that haven't heard it once What kills me is too Those that you're church hoppers And you're going to four different churches during the week But the people around you at work Don't know that you're even a Christian The people around you at work Don't haven't heard a testimony from you Since you were 11 (laughs) But you go to six churches What's the point? What's the point? Gotta put somebody around you That needs to hear your testimony that's what I came to tell somebody today. God puts somebody around you that needs to hear your testimony. Once you have been reconciled with God, once you have a connection with God, we have a responsibility to, to and a call to light up the ground where we stand. Amen. Man, I wish we would get this. We have a call to light, we wouldn't have enough church in this chairs in this building. We have a, a call, a mandate. This is not an opinion. The word doesn't say maybe you should tell. Them. No, the word says go and make disciples. Go and and be a light. So to inform people, to lift them up, to encourage, to warn them of what's coming. Listen, we need to discern the times. Can can let's this is so critical, I, I believe, right now. We need to discern the times that we're living in. I'm not gonna talk politics, I'm not gonna talk world news or nothing like that, but the times that we're living in. In the book of Luke, Jesus was speaking to a crowd that had gathered. And he was encouraging them over 2,000 years ago. He was encouraging them, stay dressed and stay ready. Stay dressed and stay ready. Be, Be prepared. And he tells them, in Luke, he ends this whole, this whole passage where he's speaking to all these people that have gathered. And he ends it like this. He says, you know, when, in Luke 12, 54, he says, when you see a cloud rising in the west, immediately you say, it's going to rain. And it does. And when you see, when you feel the south wind blow, you say, it's going to be hot. And it is. Hypocrites. You know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and the sky. How is it that you don't know how to interpret this present time? He was talking to the religious people because they're still waiting for a savior and he's right here. In another passage in Matthew, the disciples were talking about the same thing and Jesus had already said this was going to happen and this was going to happen. And so they pulled him to the side. They said, Papito, come talk to me, man. And they told him, like, when is this going to happen? They pulled him to the side. They said, Jesus, when is this going to happen? How do we discern the signs? And what we have in Matthew 24, it's a list. It's a crazy list in Matthew 24 of the things that we should discern. He says this, watch out that nobody deceives you. You ready for this list? He says, listen, there's going to be religious deception. How many of you have been watching that Scientology show with, with Leah Remney? Isn't that crazy? That successful people... Rich people, people that have, 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 have fought for this nonsense and, 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 and this, this, this trickery of, of religion where you have to buy to the next level and you and eventually, I don't know if you know the whole thing about Scientology. I, we did a whole series on world religions which is, was amazing for me and a lot of fun. Um, they believe in an alien spaceship. That's Scientology. It's an alien from another planet. And eventually, if you pay your way, like Tom Cruise has all the way to the top, eventually you will have your own planet to manage. Some of you can't manage your cell phone bills, and you want to manage a planet. A planet. So he says, there's going to be religious deception. There's going to be wars and rumors of war. Are you ready for this list? Because it's a little scary. There's going to be wars and rumors of wars. He says there's going to be famines and pestilences. There's going to be earthquakes and there's going to be a persecution of the followers of Christ. There's going to be complete lawlessness. Those are their sign of the end times. Complete lawlessness. No respect for God, no respect for authority. Then he gives us a historic sign marker. He says, and Jerusalem will be surrounded by armies. Have you been watching the news at all? Verse 37, he gives us a picture. This is a comparison. He says in verse 37, as it was in the days of Noah, so will it be when the coming of the son of man. As it was in the days of Noah. So that makes you ask, well, how was it in the days of Noah, right? I'm, I'm glad you guys are asking that. those questions. I see it on your faces, you know. Those of you that are still awake, I see that on your face. You say, how well, how was it in the days of Noah? If it's going to be as in the days of Noah when Jesus returns, when the end times comes, how, then how was it in the, in the days of Noah? Well, Genesis 6 gives us the answer. Genesis 6 tells us the world was wicked. It says the world was corrupt. And he says there was nothing but violence in the land. It says people were so wicked that they thought of nothing but evil. It also says that people lived unaware of the coming judgment. They didn't believe it. They were eating and drinking and partying right up until the day it started to rain for the first time. Imagine a crazy man telling you it's going to rain. Imagine a crazy man who said he heard from God and he starts building a boat on dry land. They were mocking the crazy preacher who heard from God, who built an ark on dry land in a world where it had never rained. We don't We don't even have to pretend to imagine what that feels like because people look at us that way today. You go to church? Young people, right? I know you guys lie. You, you tell your people you ain't... No, no, I don't know. Or you say, well, my parents made me go. I'm not that I want to go. Not I'm not that I'm like a church. I'm not like a church warrior. You know, I'm like, you know, and you make all these excuses because you don't want nobody to know you went to church because people will look at you like the crazy man that was building a boat on dry land. In the end days, there were going to be mockers. God called Noah and saved his family because Noah held on to a faith in God. He wasn't perfect, but God says he was blameless because of his faith. How can we read this or hear this and not discern the times that we're living in today? What's going on in our world today? Is there any wickedness? I know this is hard, but have you heard of any corruption lately? Like we can't even have a presidential election. with We got to count everything eight times. This was hacked. This was this. This is corrupt. This is fake. Sit down. Shut up. Wickedness, corruption, have you heard of any violence increasing? Does it seem that everywhere we turn, there's an increase, not only in wickedness, but in lawlessness. Have you heard of of lawlessness? Lawlessness is when uh, a a police officer and and a person have an interaction, and good, bad, or indifferent, the entire city now gets lawless. And they start burning down their own stores. And they start flipping cars and setting their own businesses on fire. You're talking about lawlessness. Their own business, their own people, they're killing their own people. We're killing our own people. Lawlessness. Church, we've raised too many fatherless kids on scientific theories. Can I talk to you for a minute? When you tell generations of kids that they're just evolved animals... You can't expect them to act like anything but animals. And so these kids are overtaking. There's a generation that's overtaking the planet. And this is what they've been taught. That, that, and, and so what we're seeing on social media, the cheating, the killing, the torturing, did you? and, and people are going live with it now. Did you hear the disgusting things that they're doing on live Facebook now? There's there's just a recklessness, a lawlessness. How about and then and then with that comes stupidity, right? Did you hear about the mannequin challenge? Did you hear about those 22 guys? Oh, this was great. I laughed. It's sad, but I laughed. Twenty-two people, twenty-two young people, did a mannequin challenge with assault rifles, shotguns, handguns in front of their house with the address number on the... the, in front of their cars with the license plates showing Do do you understand? Listen, you know what boggles me about this? Out of 20... This is why you gotta watch who you hang out with. Where's my young people at? Teenagers, please listen to me. Please, please. If you have 22 friends that are stupid enough, not one person said, Bro, bro, hold up, hold up, hold up. (laughs) Wait, 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 wait. wait. Before you start filming, hold up, hold up. Let's go do this in the park. (laughs) Let's not do it in front of my house. Let's not do it in front of my car. Let's not, let's, let's wear masks. When you have 22 people stupid enough and ignorant enough that not one person says, Bro, bro, this is probably not a good idea to post this video. Then then you got a bad set of friends, man. Amen?
1: Amen?
0: There's a generation of young people growing up lawless. And you can't even blame them because we took God out of their schools we took God out of their equations we told them there's no God you're you're just a cosmic accident there's no God in you there's no God above you there's no God before you there's no God that's for you and so imagine the confusion now when this generation finds out that they're lied to imagine the confusion when they start to feel this emptiness and this, Pull toward spiritual things and, and and them that they were told doesn't exist, and so they start to experiment in spiritual world, they start to dabble in darkness, looking for something spiritual, and then they're betrayed by the world's religions and by our fake spirituality. God gave me this picture. You know those monthly box programs? How many of you have an Ipsy or Birch Box or or you know what I'm talking about? Those box programs, you, you pay a certain amount and they send you like a surprise box every month. My kids just gave me a sample of Blue Apron and it was pretty hot. They send us a box of, of food and, and with everything that you need to prepare. And so the way these programs work, you tell the company what you like and what you don't like. You tell the company what you'll accept and what you won't accept. And then they'll send you something and the more you do it, they'll learn about you and what you like and what you don't like. And they'll send you something you accept every month and keep paying for it. We have a birch box faith. We have an ipsy religion. We live in a society who think spirituality is customizable. We think well. We can decide what we like and what we don't like. We decide what scriptures we believe and what scriptures we won't believe. We'll decide which one what will work for us and what doesn't fit our lifestyles. What worship style we like. What we'll get excited about. How much of ourselves we'll give. We can commit. And in these programs, they have like a twenty dollar box, and then they have like two, three hundred dollar box things. So we can commit to how much. We can decide how much we'll commit to. These programs also have a, a, a weekly, a monthly thing. I, I want to receive something every week. I want to receive something twice a month. I want to, and, and, and that's how we are, that's our faith. That's what we've done with our faith. We've checked off, said, oh, you know, four weeks, four Sundays is a little too much. If I make it one Sunday a month, I'm good. I'm religious, I'm spiritual. I get my fix on, I get beat up, I get a little power in church and I feel good.
1: <laughs>
0: that ease the guilt. This older, the, the older generation, the old Rahatabla Pentecostal, you know, they try to put God in a box, but this generation tells them what size box we're comfortable with. Wow.
1: Wow. 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 Good.
0: Oh, boy. I should have took this someplace else. This is good preaching, and you guys ain't even excited. <laughs> Jesus says, as it will be as in the days of Noah, they were wicked, corrupt, violent, they were mockers and ignorant of what was to come, because they from God, family, I don't know if you see it, but these, these, are, these, these times are, are really looking and feeling like what I imagined was the days of Noah when you factor in everything the Old Testament predicted is coming to pass and everything the Bible spoke about is happening and all these prophecies are coming to pass and, and everything that said was going to happen is happening things that no way they could have known without God no way they could have known The reestablishment of Israel, the Jewish people in Jerusalem. Church, prophetically, if these are the days of Noah, we are Noah. We've heard from God and we've been charged with building a safe place. The body of Christ. The local church. We've been charged with building a safe place, a place of refuge, a, pace, a place where the peace of God dwells. We've been called to build this safe place in an unsafe world. It took Noah a hundred years to build the ark, and that seems like a long time, but it's a picture of God's grace. God could have told Noah, I'm going to send you a boat. You think God couldn't make a boat? He made you. Amen. You think God couldn't make a boat? God could have told Noah, listen, I'm going to send you a boat. Go to this, this side of Brooklyn. Buy over by the thing. I mean, he wouldn't choose Brooklyn. I don't think he would. Sorry, 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 season, Sorry, season. Sorry, just kidding. Just kidding. Sorry, season. But he could have told Noah, meet me here. Meet me. Take your family and bring him up to this high mountain. Nobody's going to understand what's going to happen, but you're going to understand. He could, But no, he made him build a safe place in an unsafe world. And it took him a hundred years. In front of people in order to have his faith testify what he believed. Can you imagine the challenge of faith that was? Every day. To go to work. To build this thing that doesn't make sense. To build a boat in dry land. When you have no trucks to move it. Nowhere to get this thing to the water. Why am I building this thing so big? Why does it have to be this way, and this way, and that? Why does it have to be out of this wood, and why does it have to be covered like this? Uh, can you imagine? I don't know about you, you but I would have made a lot of shortcuts.
1: <laughs>
0: be like, right? we would have said building art for dummies, looked it up, had it done in three months. <laughs> God called Noah to testify with his life and with his actions, and he's calling us so that people will have to see it and be reminded and have a chance and an opportunity to hear and believe and to have faith. Listen, I'm going to talk to to the young people. Can I get your attention for one minute? Can you take the headphone out? Can you shake them, wake them up? Can you just look at me for one minute, please? All right, three minutes, maybe four or five minutes tops. I don't want to lie. Listen, you were not an accident. You were created by God with a plan and a purpose. Unfortunately, you were born in a pretty screwed up place. At a pretty messed up time. But I believe that God chose you to be strong enough. Because you're strong enough. Because you're bold enough. Because you can 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 have this, this thing that you can stand in this time and testify and to endure, listen, please listen to me, don't wait till you're a viejo like us <laughs> don't wait till, it's, till you're old and you gotta, cause I promise you you'll come back here Amen. I promise you, you won't find anything after here, once your mom tells you, alright you don't have to go to church, you can make your own decisions, and that, those next three weeks you're wilding out, you're doing whatever, I don't have to get up I can sleep, I'm gonna do whatever, I'm gonna do whatever you're gonna come back yes. Amen. because there's nothing else you might not come back to this church, you might try something, but there's nothing. You will come back when you're, when you're, when God touches, when you understand the, the options, when you understand who we are and where we're living, when you discern the times, you will. So don't wait till you reveal, yeah, oh, please. Just listen to me a couple more minutes. I challenge you, I dare you to challenge God now and say, God, if this thing is real, if you're real, If you want to use me during this time Then let's get it on and pop it now I dare you I dare you Step out and I dare you And listen, if nothing happens Then you did it If if, if God lets you go If God doesn't hear then, then, Then it's on you Then you wrestle, figure something else out But I, man Listen, I don't know where you think I came from But I didn't grow up in church like some of you have I didn't grow up like this. You might think, oh, you know, Pastor Joe grew up in the pastor, Lee. he was a pastor, but a pastor, but a pastor. No, I had no Christians in my family. And I probably would have been just like many of you, hiding in the cut behind the poles, behind the chairs, listening to one headphone, pretending. I probably would have been watching everybody in church, real skeptical of everything I saw in a church like this. And like many of you, I'd be watching my parents And I'd be watching their their friends. And I'd be seeing if this thing was real outside of church. If all I saw at home was funny business and then in here spiritual business.
1: If I didn't see the same behavior
0: at home, then I would have been just like many of you guys. Just waiting to the day I don't have to come here no more. Family, some of us need to go home and apologize to our kids. For everything they've seen. For not being consistent. We need to stop hiding under the, I'm just keeping it real. No, be, be real. Be real about your walk with God. Be real that, that God is real. Be, let Him be real outside the walls. Amen. We need to go home and testify about God's goodness and God's faithfulness and His grace and His mercy. We need to, your kids might not see the struggles that you went through and how God met you because you kept it quiet because you didn't want them to know you was broke. You didn't want them to know that pasta, is not because you like pasta, it's because pasta costs a dollar a box. But then you need to let them know how God sustained you. Because if you don't tell them, they think you did it. It's time to give God back His grace, and God, God back His glory, amen? And God has been, and not keep that, God has been faithful inside, but let somebody know, you know I didn't do that, bro.
1: You
0: know, it wasn't because of me that you got gifts. This happened, this happened, this happened, and this co-worker gave me this card, and I had $100 extra, and so the money came to get you a gift, I didn't even know where it came from. But it wasn't me. You know, we need to testify, Amen. We need to, let that be your word this year. Testify. We need to testify, amen? Listen, let me tell you real quick. I went through some bad stuff in my early years. Sixth, seventh, eighth grade. They were pretty much screwed me up for a lot of years after that. I'm not going to get into all those stories, but I went into high school and I went buck wild for a lot of years in, in a lot of areas of my life and, and experimented with a lot of stuff. I did a lot of stupid things. But but back when I was a hood, like you know some of you think you are, um, we, we, um, there was such a different respect for authority, there was such a different... Listen, we'd have 15 of us, me and my boys, 15 of us, we'd have to hide, we'd go to the park and hide in a tunnel to drink 140. Talk about we wild, reckless. 10 of us sharing 140 ounce. big champagne, Whatever my opi glass? <laughs> three dollars forty ounce. but we hid we hid because we knew it was wrong there was something that, that society told us it was wrong to just be drunk to just get high to just but now they I'm walking to Manhattan and everybody just rolling up I pass Norman Thomas high school every, every morning and there's kids across the street from the high school the cops are in front of the school the kids are across the street and they're all getting high and I said but how? How how how? Right? You see them, right? Should we pass? They're getting high. The cops are here, and they're putting this, and and I'm smelling this, and so we smell it three blocks away. I get high by the time I get to work. It's bad, man. But there's no shame. This it's just a lawlessness. It's just it's just a, a, a listen. So anyway, I, I was dumb with all that, and 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 something happened in me. I wanted to be. I wanted to find something spiritual. I didn't grow up with any of that, and I needed something spiritual, you know, I went to Catholic school and so, so to, to me that was, I just wanted to be an altar boy because I wanted to get out of class when somebody died. And that was the best announcement that you heard in Catholic school, who was there, come on. Like, uh, need George Martinez, uh, Michael, M- yes, somebody died, I get to go be an altar and skip math. And that was the extent of my spirituality. But, so I needed something more. I had experiments here and there I was done with that. I wanted to be, so I went on this spiritual quest and I would talk to anybody that would talk to me about God. That would talk about spirituality. I had next door neighbors, they were my, my babysitters, they were Jehovah's Witnesses. And so they were beautiful people, but their religion was too hard. I saw them, they had to work so hard to try to please God. It made me sad. So I said, no, no, there's nothing there for me. I met I met a guy who was a Buddhist, and and I started. He was cool. He was a musician, and I said, man, this dude is, is cool, man. He's a musician. I mean, he, he played sax, and he was gifted, man, amazing. And but he was a Buddhist, and so I said, man, like talk to me. And so he was willing, you know, he wanted to talk to me. I ended up going to his house, and we sat. Every Buddhist has in their house kind of this little temple that they set up. They have to set up a temple to pray. And so we went, and we and we kneeled down, we sat in his temple, and we're you know there's the, there's a scroll in the in on the wall and, and Where he tells me, you know, Nam Yor Renge Kyo, you gotta say this dedication to, and so I'm chanting like he's, I'm like, I wanna be down with this, I wanna feel what's here, I wanna feel the power of this. And after a little while of saying that 46 times, I said, I'm getting bored. I said, so what is it that we're praying to? He said, that's the mystic law. I said, wow, that sounded kind of cool because it was like a piece of paper with, with, you know, with, with writing. And I said, well, what, what does it say? He said, I don't know. <laughs>
1: he
0: said, that's the mystic law. That's why it's mystic. <laughs> I said, wait a minute. So I said, okay, this is, done. This is too easy for me. There's no God in this. This is about me, there's no God in here. I said like, get out of here with your dumb temple, I'm out of here. And see, when you go searching for God, and I did this with so many things, man, I experimented, I, went, I don't encourage you to do this, this is dangerous. But I, I, I didn't have nobody, I didn't have a youth pastor, I didn't have a youth leader, I didn't have a pastor that trying to shout me out all the time from the pulpit. I didn't have that, so I didn't have nobody to tell me. So if nobody tells you, how are you gonna know?
1: Right.
0: That's why we need to testify. And so I went searching and, 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 and all of these things. And listen, man, this left me. This left me. I, I was searching for God. And one of the things I realized that during this time, it wasn't me. It was about God calling me. It wasn't me. It wasn't because I'm so good. It, this was something God turned on in me and said, I'm calling you out. It's time. Bang, bang, bang. But I didn't have nobody around telling me anything good. So I had to kind of navigate through this thing. And, and, and listen, it, 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 he could have left me, God could have left me stuck in any one of those false religions and I would have been crazy just like Paul, killing people for God. But in any one of those religions, he didn't let me see him. And my search for God and God's drawing me to Him brought me through some really dark places. It wasn't until after I saw the dark side of my spirituality. It wasn't until after I was exposed to evil, which called itself good. I was a spirit medium at 18 years old. I was the youngest medium in the, in the, the templo. I was a hardcore viridita. And. You know, my, my Cuban roots kind of led me to this. And, and here my family helped me. And said, oh yeah, yeah, here's where you want, you want guidance. Ben, ben. And they brought me to the, to the central. And so there I learned how to, how to be a spirit. Me, I was channeling demonic spirits in order to take them from people. Because I wanted to serve God. I wasn't trying to be wicked. I wanted to serve God. And so I thought, if this is how I serve God, then I'll do that. To help people, I'll channel the demon from them. Be possessed. I did this every Friday night. I would take out a demon from somebody, be possessed by that demon. Oh, y'all scared of me now. The spirit of God is in me now. That's the one you gotta fear, not the stupid little punk demons. I was playing with them every Friday night. And so I would channel them, and then and then so then the, the other mediums would, would deliver the spirit out of me, so then I'd be free, and so then the person that we called up would be free. And they told me, this is uh, uh, Puerto Rican, Haitian, African cultures. It's called this white magic. This is white magic you know I didn't know back then that God didn't need magic no matter what color it was I didn't didn't know that though because nobody told me see that's one of the biggest deceptions the enemy has he tries to color evil and call it good so the enemy's deception for our society is that we can create our own brand of spirituality and it's garbage because in your own brand of spirituality you are the God so who are you going to go to for help? Where does your help come from? Your higher consciousness? You're going to do yoga and find them in a position? Where's your help come from? If you're God, we I mean, we have to decide at some point, am I going to worship me, or am I going to worship the one who created me? Amen. And listen, I, I've been telling so many stories lately, because I told you my word is testified and I have to tell somebody what God has done for me. Amen. Because I believe somebody needs to hear this. And I believe somebody could needs to know today that they could come from as low and as dark as a place as I did and God could fill that dark, low place with light. From, listen, from as young as I can remember, I lived in tremendous fear. I was always afraid. I was, I was scared of the dark and I was scared of being alone. I would get tormented in my bed at night. Tormented. My bed would shake. Things would move. Things in the room would move. I would be tormented every night. I was terrified. <coughs> Listen, I was a teenager. I thought, you know, I was a teenager still calling for my dad at night. During the day, I thought I was bad. I was breakdancing. dancing. I thought I was a hood rat. But then at night, I was like, papi! Papi, Papi! And I would keep harassing him until he screamed at me. God, He cursed me out. But when he cursed me out, it brought me peace. Because then I knew, he, I, I know it's crazy. But then I knew he was awake. And so I, if I fell asleep quick enough, I could sleep while he was awake. And this was my torment every night. When God got me, when God spoke to me, and it wasn't even in church. That same day, God, God grabbed my heart. He convicted me. He spoke to me through this little Pentecostal Spanish woman that I... Man, it was a little group of Pentecostals that were coming from church for my all-night prayer vision. Don't mess with them women. <laughs> I was in my, my bead. I'm sorry, I've told you guys this story a hundred times. I was in my my white... Latigre tigre and my white lees and I had all my my coyales on my neck and I was heading to the centro and Michelle, who was my girlfriend at the time was fighting with me because we fought every Friday night because even though she wasn't a Christian she knew better than I did and so she knew what I was doing was wrong but I said, this is what God called me to do I'm anointed to do this because the the, the centro, the padrino in the centro told me, God has given you these gifts, God has given you the ability to help people, God has blessed you with this, and so I held on to that because I needed something like that in my life so bad I wanted God's affection, I wanted God's affirmation, and so I needed that, so when he told me that I'd fight anybody to do what I'm doing even though I was scared, I did it afraid even though it was terrifying, we come to Prospect Avenue in the Bronx, and I'm from Manhattan And I would come there Friday nights, 9 o'clock, start the service, leave like 12, 1 o'clock in the morning, broken, exhausted, because we've just been possessed and and delivered and possessed, dealing with dark darkness. One day, those ladies grabbed me, and and this little Pentecostal lady grabbed me, she brought me downstairs, and she said, listen, God wants to talk to you, and I'm like, oh boy. But I was respectful. And I said sure, and she started speaking to me, and, and her, all of it. We were in the basement. All of a sudden, her voice changed, man. That voice was deep, and it was powerful. And she, and he said, he said, I have called you. I've given you things, but it's not for this. I've anointed you to work in power, but it's not for this. And he spoke to me things nobody knew. Things that I only had in the conference room with that padrino from that wicked place. Things that he had told me that I was holding on to that I thought were from God. And that day he confronted all of those things that I hadn't told anybody. One day I went through, this funny story, one day I went through with her because she wouldn't let me go by myself and I had to go to a consulta to meet with him and I went to meet with him and we sat in the room and he did the caracoles and he did all this, you know, divine witchcraft, fortune-telling thing and he told me, listen, by the way, the one that's out there with you, she's not for you. So he like released me. He said, don't even bother with that one, that was not for you. Now remember, this is the man of God in my life. He told me, that one's not for you. We're married 27 years right now. Amen. Anyway, so that lady spoke to me, and, 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 and God used her to, to talk to me and tell me exactly what I needed that nobody knew. And that day, for the first time in my life, I slept like a baby, no fear. And I've never been scared since. I've never been scared since. Like that thing, like God said, You've lived in so much fear, I'll never let you live in fear again. Never let you be scared again. Never. Things move, things move in the house. I get up and say, What's going on? What's going on over here? My soul. People call me, come to my house, things are moving. I said, Well, you need to clean your house first, but if you want me to come, I'll come. But don't come and then you inviting demons in that place. So so listen, when God got me that night fear was gone. I had to testify today because somebody that was for one of you. Revelations 12, the end of the book, the, the God says they overcame the evil one by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. So church, we have to testify, not just so that others can know, not just so that others can find life, but just so that we can overcome. Because we forget. Amen? Does anybody forget? Anybody this week, you've just been complaining this past week? You've just been hurt? You've been beat up? You've been discouraged you've been you've been complaining about life complaining about church complaining about ministry complaining and complaining you feel tired you feel worn out you feel wet and what why can you remember Went back and testify to yourself what god brought you from can you remind yourself the derelict you used to be Can you remind yourself the person that you were before God grabbed a hold of you? Can you remind yourself what God has done? Can you remind it like, oh my God, I shouldn't even be walking today. I shouldn't even be breathing today. I shouldn't have the beautiful things that I have. God, you gave me all that and I'm here complaining because today I'm not being tickled in the right place by your spirit. (laughs) Church, we have to testify. We can't fall into this birch box spirituality and create our own standard. God has already given us a standard to live by. Which brings us to Romans. I'm jumping back into our study through the book of Romans. Not today, relax. But I'll be going back into that. But today I have to testify, amen? Is that alright? Yes, amen. And so to close today, we, we've kind of been going through the book of Romans, we're, we're like at the end of 7, chapter Romans 8. To close today, I just want to read one verse, the very first verse from Romans 8. And, you know, worship team, you guys can come and, and I'm going to ask you guys to stand for, the, for this one verse. Just stand to receive this one verse in Romans 8. It's such a powerful statement, I want you to hear it and receive it and feel the weight of it this morning. 8 1 and says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. I know that didn't hit you hard enough, but in Christ there's no condemnation. What does that word mean? It's a Greek word, it's katakrima. It's two words kata down, krima judgment. So it's handed down judgment. That pronounces us guilty that's what condemnation is it's handed down judgment that pronounces you guilty in Christ Jesus there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ there is no condemnation. That means there is no judgment. That means there is no guilty. Young people listen to me. We've pictured this angry God for so long who has come to condemn us. John 3.17 said God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world. So for those of us in Christ Jesus There is therefore no condemnation. What's in those? What's in? What does it mean to be in Christ Jesus? That means those who believe. Those who are trusting God. Those who have been reconciled to God. Those who have asked God for, for, for forgiveness. To forgive their sins. Those of us in Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation now for you. Can somebody say that's good news? And here's my flip. But what about those who are not? Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those that are in Christ. But for those that are not, there's condemnation, there's judgment, there's guilty. feel the weight of that right now. We need to testify. If you're here today and you don't know that you're in Christ, I want you to know the word is near to you today. Romans 10 9 says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead you will be saved. the pastors to come up, we're here the ministers to come up, we're here to pray for you and and, I want to have a special time of prayer for our young people not just all the young people for those of you that are bold enough to come forward if you're scared, stay if you're scared and you're not ready to do it, afraid